Hello, you're listening to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. If some of our discussions and tips are working for you, why don't you grab a 15-minute call with us at ecommercecall.com. We'll see whether we can help scale your e-commerce business. We will quickly see if we're a fit or whether we can recommend someone else to get you where you need to go. The worst case is you'll have a fun 15-minute chat and regardless, you'll come away understanding a lot more about your business. Book a call at ecommercecall.com. Hello and welcome to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. This week, we're diving into the pricing architecture and talking about all the misconceptions that people have around price and the things that you can do and the things you can't do. So let's get started. Hey, Ian, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Mark? I'm all right. Um, today... We just, you know, we're just having a, a discussion about um, pricing architecture and we haven't really planned anything, but it was it's just due to a couple of conversations we've been having with a couple of e-commerce sites, what we've been thinking about our own sites. And we just thought we'd record some new thoughts around uh, around pricing and, you know, things you've got to think about and, yeah. you know, what the constraints are, really, um, because we just hear the same yeah. thing over and over and over again. Um and I think people make some dangerous assumptions sometimes. And I think it's important to understand the, the, the market you're in and the game you're in and how you can win, basically. Uh, would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, literally, Mark and I were just having a chat about pricing architecture. And yeah. we just thought, let's, let's just record our conversation. And I think, it, and it's because I was having a conversation with the client this morning and they are selling other people's products and i was saying look when you're selling other people's products you have to make sure your pricing is 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 there and thereabouts what the market is 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 selling at because if you are selling other people's products so when i say when if you're selling other people's products are you selling other, are you selling things that people can buy anywhere online yeah, so you know they're not exclusive to you. It's not your own branded product, you know, or it's not something you've got the exclusive rights to sell in the country. Essentially, people, can people go into Google Shopping and buy these things? And you know, and if that is the case, and I said this particular company, you know, very successful business, doing about six and a half million. Um, you know, within the whole within the whole group, and they're going into online in a bigger way. And I said, look, you know, you can't ignore price because, you know, particularly with Google Shopping, which is going to be one of your main channels, it's basically like a giant price comparison engine. So, so I think that the first the first question around price and pricing architecture is: Are you selling other people's products that people can buy anywhere? Or in multiple places, or are, or are you selling your own branded product? Because if you, it's your own branded product, so you know a brand that you've created, you know it might be a thing like a you know, you know a, a mug, a plate, a, whatever, a vase, but it's your own brand. You've sourced it, you've photographed it, you are classifying it as your own brand. Then then you've got a lot more creativity around how you price that product particularly if it's a um a desirable product isn't it mm. 
Mm. Right. I, so well, you yeah yeah. I mean, if you've got someone, if you've got your own product, you've branded it, you've put your own stuff and you've put your own things into it. People can only ever get that from you. So if they want that thing, they have to come through your doors and buy it. And obviously, there are similar products in the market that people can buy. Um, but if you've got a following and and people have bought into your brand and your ethos and stuff, you know they're going to want that that you know that specific uh vase but if you're selling a well, vase you, that's the job... branded by someone else then you know everybody yeah. can see it's exactly the same product yeah and that's the thing is that the, the problem is is, is the, in the biggest the biggest challenge of e-commerce is if you're selling your own branded product that no one else can buy you know through another website or a very you know i don't i'm not talking about amazon or eBay. i'm basically saying it's your brand that you control what you've got to do is add desirability or convincibility. So if, or both. So it tends to be, you'll have heard us say this a lot of times, you know, if it's a, if it's a lifestyle product, you've got, to, you've got to demonstrate desirability. You've got to, you've got to create that desire. You've got, to, you've got to really make people want it to justify that price. Or if it's a problem-solving, rational purchase, it's more about convincibility that's going to get the job done. But, but either way, You've got to demonstrate, you've got to create the desirability or the convincibility if it's other people's products. But you can pretty much set the price. If you do that job well enough, you can set whatever price you want. Did you say you said you said you've got to create the desirability for someone else's price? Yeah. So that, that's not right. The, the desirability is already created usually by the brand owner when Hang you're selling the product. Wait a minute. Yeah. If I whatever if I said that that was completely wrong. I meant the other way. If you're yeah. selling, if it's your own product, it's your own brand. Sorry, thank you. It's your own brand. You know, you have to create that desirability or convincibility yourself. But the the, the reward is if you get that right, you can charge what you want, and you typically normally have bigger margins. But if you're selling mm. other people's products, the desirability or convincibility of that product is already there. And like, yeah. you know, that example of the vase or the, you know, the, the, the Toshiba, whatever the hell it is, you know, it's already there. And the whole job is to get people to buy from you. And if you ignore price in that, in your whole business proposition, if you ignore price, you, you know, completely, if you think that, ah, well, I'm I'm a better, you know, I'm much better and I can charge, you know, I can charge 25% more and people will buy from me. Well, you might be able to get away with that if you're the only shop in the high street selling that particular product. But online, it is not, it's not like that. You know, you've yeah. got to work really damn hard to actually get people to come and buy from you in the first place. And so, so you can't be you know 25 percent more expensive and still think that that is you know you, there's not there's not enough yeah of other yeah and I, th I think i think that's a that's, that's a very common mistake people make when they've had bricks and mortar stores and then they go online and they think they can get away with the same kind of pricing architecture oh we've never competed on price so we always mark everything up by this amount and they, they're existing customers they might they might buy you know more because they've got trusted and stuff like that but if you're recruiting customers and we talk people back to the market square test. If you're going into the market square and everybody is selling, let's take the, you know, we sell perfumes at Christmas. So let's take Jimmy Choo perfume, which you sold a lot of. People are walking in and there's in that market store, there's 60 stores, probably more 
people selling Jimmy Choo perfume. And, you know, you're going to say, well, we're going to sell it 25% more than everybody else. And you'd walk into the store and you go, well, why would I buy it for 25% more? And you might argue, oh, we're a better looking store. We're more trustworthy. Um, we can do this and this. But it seems unlikely that you'll be the only trustworthy option in there that looks mm. nice. It's got a nice website out of like 120 people. And so it's going to be very difficult for you to justify paying 25%, charging 25% more for the Jimmy Choo perfume. People mm. are just going to go, well, that's all very, I can see a site's very nice and I can see you've got a good returns policy and everything, but I bought this before. I know what it is. It's exactly the same over there. I'm just going to get it from there if that's okay. So I think what we can talk about though is the room you have to play in given that that, that, that box is there. And, and do you understand what that might mean by that, Ian? Like basically the things you can do to actually make increased sales, given that that pricing that pricing constraint. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you've got we 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 had we've said this before about if you're selling other people's products, you know, particularly if it's Google Shopping, you've got to be there and thereabouts with price. But if imagine if you've got, you know, a kick-ass average order value boosting system in your website you know so that imagine if you're selling um you know particular other well that particular vase you know it's a particular branded vase that, and it's available in many many you know potentially hundreds of different shops all over the internet you know but if you've got a way that you you've got a great bundle system where you've got a deal that actually that you've got a three for two offer or just, I mean, let's keep it very simple. You, you, you know, you've got buy two for and get the second half price. Imagine if you've got that really good promotional mechanism in your site and everyone else is just going for that one particular vase, hmm. then, you know, they're only bidding for 50, that 50 pound product, but you're bidding for 75 pounds. And that means that you'll have a better return on ad spend for the for, for the same because everyone else is going for that one product. So you you have to so you've got to start thinking about those things. And the other the other main play is if you've got a better lifetime customer value than everybody else, and you know that, and you really understand your figures, which allows you to be confident that you can go pretty close to the mark in the you know in the in the initial purchase and that was interesting because that was the conversation i had today with this particular client they were selling um they were selling something online that had a good repeat business you know so they, you know they, they knew that the customers would probably buy six or seven times a year on average and of course the first time they bought they would do it through the paid advertising channels of which, you know, their margin was pretty tight. Let's call it, it was only 25%. But wow. it, I know, and it's pretty small, and that's that's unusually small. But the great thing about this business is they had that repeat business. Now, to get somebody to buy six times a year on average is way above average. The amount of average times people buy on an e-commerce site is about one, one and a half times a year. So maybe maybe mm -hmm. twice a year if you're lucky. So this particular business has got they're buying six times a year. So that means that they can be aggressive with that paid advertising because they're not playing for that first purchase only. They're playing mm. for six times a year. 
So if you add all of that up, that means that you can be you can be you can aggressively go after and and just about we would say, I mean, you could make a loss technically, couldn't you, on that first purchase? Mm. Mm. You know, not just go for break even, you can make a loss. So, you know, if you you know, it's it's a, it's about average order value conversion rate and lifetime customer value, isn't it? Really? You know, yeah. but you, you know, yeah. but but mainly it's about average order value and lifetime customer value, but you know, because with with conversion rates, you know, it's it, well, it's obviously critically critically important. But you know, remember that if you're selling other people's products, you become a commodity. No one cares about you on the first purchase anyway. They care about the product they're buying. They care about that branded product that they can buy from anywhere. And you've got to forget and not stop falling in love with yourself and just put yourself in the eyes of this customer. They don't care about you. They want that product. That's what they've Googled. That's what they want. They don't want you. They want that product. And that you've got to convince them that they should buy from you. And they only really start caring about you, particularly if you are, you've got a lifetime customer value. Once, you've de- once, you've, once they've bought the product from you, then they start to trust you and they get to know you. But it's a really, that's a a sort of slightly, you know, vague remark. But you have to think about your, you are a commodity. If you're you're selling other people's product. If you're selling other people's product, taking back to the market square analogy, 60 stores in there. And there's one of them that's selling at 10% less than everybody else. And they're making the business, they're very happy about it. And you think, well, what is their edge? What's the edge that allows them to do that? And it might be that they've got like a post-purchase upsell that works really, really well. So maybe they 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 scratch their back, now they kind of make their money back on the sale that people go through, but all the money comes through onto the onto the upsell. So basically that's when they get pure profit on the upsell. Maybe they've got that and everybody else in, in that store hasn't figured that out, haven't worked out how to do it. Maybe they've got a, a very good way of um doing reward points so basically they do reward points you get 25 reward points which expire they've got a method of doing it they know that as a percentage 25 percent of people who buy come back and buy something in within 30 days again they've got another edge over everybody else that hasn't that hasn't that hasn't bought before and so it's it, it's about having those little edges that just mean that you can you can bid slightly higher in terms of cost per click or price per impression than the competitors and still make more revenue than them. And maybe they've got a team, a very low cost team. Maybe they've outsourced some of their core core uh, parts of their business so they don't have to have very expensive staff doing it, or perhaps it's automated. You know, there's all those kind of things that you're going to have mm. in terms of edges over everybody else. And I could name quite a few multi-million dollar pound businesses that have created those edges within their businesses that allows them to be mm. in that market and also well, to be able it. to price think, out anybody that comes in. One of the one of the great examples of that is people like AO.com. You know, they, mm. they were a business that came along selling white goods. You can buy these white goods from anywhere, but they came along from nowhere and, and you know, look how successful they are because they had these edges and they looked at what, you know, what people worried about when they were buying other people's products and they – you know, it was about delivery. Mm. If you're buying big, heavy white goods, it's about delivery. And you know, how, when you know, do I have to take a day off work? And you know, are yeah. you going to take the old washing machine away? They, they just solved all those problems. You know, I think the exciting thing about selling other people's products is that it's often so bloody obvious 
how you need to scale. And if you get it right, you know, you've, you know, you, you're almost creaming off the top because you're not having to invest in the brand of the products you're selling. Mm. It's already there. You know, so if you if you just dip yourself in front of that traffic that's already coming through and you know mm. you've got damn well, you've got a great price, you've got great delivery, you've got great stock, you've got, you know, all the reassurances, you've ma- you know, you, you're smashing the, reass- you know, the, the guarantees and the returns policies and you, you know you've got it all right and you know that you're going to be successful. And, then, and you start bolting these, song, these things on like average order value boosters and lifetime customer value thing. You know, theoretically, it's a business that you can get in there and become very big quite quickly. But on the flip side of it, the margins tend to be lower and it can be hard to get into it because the big boys are big and they are. It's hard for the small boys to get in because it's quite difficult to get hold of products now, isn't it, to sell? Mm. Um, I think the AO example is a very good example. And and what I was thinking about whilst you were saying that was they've they've got price and they're within a ballpark on the price. And they know that if they get within a ballpark of price around a certain level, then the sale becomes about other things. It becomes mm. about delivery costs. It becomes about delivery friction. It becomes about guarantees, warranties, things like that. So, you know, they're not people aren't gonna pay fifty percent more somebody else but they might pay 10 percent more or 12% more or something around that if you've got a better delivery yeah um, those little tiny things it's exactly like price is a massive one no matter how awesome your you know your returns policy is or your you know your delivery threshold if you are significantly more expensive it's not you just you don't even get let in because Google mm. shopping which to be honest this is where a lot of it all comes from it's a price comparison engine, so you won't even get yeah. in the race. So you have to be yeah, because they actually show the these are the these are the four these are the four cheapest ones, you know. So you're not even going to get into that. See yeah. these other stores that sell this. If you're if you're massively overpriced, you're not even going to get the impression mm. in the first place. So you so, know you, so, you've got to be in it to win it, basically. So we're basically saying that if you're selling other people's products, you know, price is very important, but you've got to eliminate the the anxiety around price Hmm. it's about getting it out of the way so you can get on with telling them why they should buy from you you know and that that becomes the key the key thing but on the flip side if you're selling your own brand your own products you know pricing is is really really important but it comes in later i think comes in a little bit later so you know it is how you use pricing architecture to actually give people a reason to buy now and giving giving people actually a you know call to action, isn't it? And it's it's a totally different yeah. way of using what, what, price. What was interesting is when we did a lot of split tests, you know, this was probably eight years ago, we did split tests where we were putting the pricing price on the homepage or not putting on a homepage for people who mm. sold their own brand. And often we saw that by not putting the pricing onto the homepage, we actually got an increased conversion because People were a fell in love with the products first, and then decided they wanted them for that price. So they kind of fell in love with the, you know, it's a bit like going yeah. on a date, isn't it? And it's like, you know, it's kind of like saying, it's it's, you know, do you want to do you want to go to the to a hotel? And it's like, no, no, we don't even know each other. Let's uh, let's get to know each other first. And it's kind of like going too early to the to the jugular, isn't it? 
we haven't built desirability or or convincibility yeah. or anything, you know. To that's what I did. That's helpful. what I went wrong with dating. I was just like, let's go. It just didn't work. No, Mark. No, you need to build it up. <laughs> build some rapport. Um, yeah. I wouldn't. So that, no, that's it. So um, you're absolutely right, and particularly around desirable products. I mean, you know, on a, if you're selling other people's products, you know, you know, it, it's a totally different experience. But if you're if you're selling your own, it's you know, you wouldn't put the price on there, on the homepage. Mm. You know, I mean, I mean, and and, and actually, you know, you could also question whether or not you should put it on the category page. I've seen. You know, very you know luxurious high-end fashion sites not mm. putting the price on the category, and it only gets to the product page, and you just can't see yeah. that. And I know. Yeah, I mean, you can still let people um, sort by price. You can say, "I want to see you know jewelry between you know naught and fifty pounds," but then you don't actually have to put the price on the category. So you can actually mm. split tests because people know they're in the right range. I mean, it's it's and that's a kind of a nuance. It's kind of subtlety that you have to mm. test within your own site. Um, and I think you know when you do could you have your own brand, you do control the price. And and a lot of the time, you know people have very little to go on to understand, you know, let's say we're buying a pair of trousers, you know, are these a good pair of trousers or are these a cheap pair of trousers? And, you know, one of the things that they use to tell whether it's a good pair of trousers is it is expensive yeah. equals good, you know? And so mm -hmm. that's, a, that's can be a way to kind of build value. You say, look, you're getting a 200 pair of power, yeah. 200 pound pair of trousers on sale today for 89 pounds. Then you suddenly go, well, it must be stitched well and it must be good material. And, you know, that, that, yeah. that's, another I know, way I know. that and you it, can actually sounds, build value it sounds so silly and i know so many times we've said this to people and you know they say well i don't want to be like i don't want to be a discounter i don't want to look like a discount you know once you discount you've always got a discount and they say well i said i know but if you if you're building that into your pricing architecture from the very beginning you know or for you or you know it's when you list new products you know it, it it doesn't matter, you know. If you start, if you said I'm going to sell these this pair of trousers for eighty nine pounds, you know, you could you could start and you could put it up to one hundred and sixty pounds, couldn't you? And mm. you know, and then you're saying that there's a, there's a deal, you know, it, it it gives you so much more control and flexibility. I mean, I let's go back to that example that we talked about that you know we we pro cook. You know, ProCook is a, cook, a kitchenware brand, and the site's not good. It's old. It looks pretty naff. And but what they've got right is the pricing architecture, because you know you're getting a, a pan. ProCook's their own brand. You're getting a pot, you know, set of pans that that normally, you know, RRP high street price is three hundred pounds, and their normal price is. 210 pounds today's price 180 you know mm. and all of a sudden you go my god well you know that they, they were that you know that's this, this this must be great and you know there's the normal price you know there's the, the high street price and here's the normal price and here's today's price wow yeah so, the, so then you've got to go and get it today because you think well how long is today's price going to be active for and i think that can be that's relevant for people selling other people's products and your own brand products is yeah even if you're selling someone else's products, you could say, well, okay, I've come, you know, I'm a consumer. I've come down to buy this Jimmy Choo perfume. I've, I've come down to these three retailers that are selling it. I've identified that these two are pretty good. One of them 
which is our store, have come to it and they go, well, today's price is this. And it's like, well, how long am I going to get a, be able to get that reasonable price from this store that I've done a bit of research on and um, I've got good delivery and got good reviews? Um, if it goes back to the normal price, then it's too expensive. So I actually better get it today because that's today's offer. And I think that might disappear. So therefore, I have to act now. So there's then suddenly a reason to actually transaction today rather than tomorrow, because mm. people always put off to tomorrow what they don't necessarily need yeah. today. Um, and, and so the who do having very, that, very that reason well. is very important. The, yeah, the, yeah, the people who do the people who do this really well is the home shopping TV channels. Mm. They're, they're absolutely genius at this, you know, because you know you a because you know that they're going to they're going to be promoting a product at that particular time, you know, so it feels like it's going to run out. You yeah, know, it's only an exclusive deal. You won't get it any more time. You know, this is the best price that you're going to get. You know, here's all the amazing reasons why it's incredible, and here's the here's the normal price. And you know, here's it's a buyer price. event. It's a they've created a buyer event. They know it's only run on the television at that time, and yeah. once that's gone, they won't know what the phone number is, and they won't maybe the deal's not available when it's not on the telly. And so, you know, going back to the market square test again, is like you would go and buy from the the you know the, the the store in there that's having a buyer event you know everybody else is sitting there doing absolutely nothing but then it's like marketing's it's birthday event. yeah it's marketing's birthday and they've got 10 percent off sale and the buy if you buy today you get a silly hat or whatever it is but there's a buyer event and there's a lot of people queuing up to buy stuff from that store because yeah. they've created yeah. an event and obviously the store the, the store needs to look good you know you wouldn't buy from it if it was you know, broken and it was all, you know, tatty and yeah. other thing. You know, but you know, but those, you know, those things are a given. Like we're we're assuming that, you know, you've followed the checklist, you know what, you know, you've gone through the product page checklist, the home page basket, you know, we're assuming you've you've done those things. You know, because mm. those are things that you should be doing, you know, out of out of the box straight away. But then it's about adding those little edges and and, and getting people to buy from you, not somebody else. And it's that yeah. caption. It's those little, I mean, you know, it's, it's that it's that process, isn't it? Going through your style, getting your core right. And a lot of people on the 10K, 20K core, that's what it, that's what they're doing. They're getting the core right. And then they can go and start putting in, into place those little things that actually mean that you get the sale today rather than tomorrow. Mm. And that tweaks your ROAS up. Um, which is your return on advertised spend, and then you're in a different ball game, and then you add on your little, um, your your average order boosts, and you know your your, your different pricing architecture, little sales today, the reason to buy today rather than tomorrow, and you just start to actually have a business that's got legs, and you can start running with it, and, yeah. and and that's when it gets exciting. But I think, you know, we didn't plan this podcast. It's more about a kind of open discussion about you know, understanding the business you're in, because I think that the the biggest danger is, is if you've had a business running in one way in a certain place, you know, like if you've had a, a bricks and mortar store or you've had a catalog business or, you know, you've, you've done a tele sales model, or even if you sold on uh, TV sales and then you expect to kind of transplant that exact model and put it into online in terms of music, Google shopping, is I think you're going to get a shock because some mm. of the constraints and some of the um, advantages of those sales models are no longer available online. I mean, take catalogs. You know, you're most of the people get the catalog and go and read it in the toilet. 
and they're not reading anyone else's catalogue in the toilet, yeah. and then they go and see what they want to buy. And the captive audience, they've got you. Captive audience, they've got you. So you know, but when if if then they if 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 you're used to selling that one stool in your catalogue for four hundred pounds. And then you start selling it online for £400, you might be a bit shocked to find that nobody buy it because mm. it's not in the same, it's just not in the same context. And it's just in a completely, you're in a market store. Also, they've gone in you know, with a catalog, they've gone into the store and it's just you, mean, you on your own. Yeah, that's mm. right. Mm. You know, <clears throat> I mean, that will probably be a, a, a Facebook, you know, Instagram product rather yeah. than a Google shopping one. But it's still, you know, it's still the same problem. You know, you, you, you're you're in and in and amongst lots and lots of other people selling very similar items. If not, they're exactly they might not be exactly the same. But you're still in yeah. you're still in a you know it's a buyer's market completely. You know, within the click of a mouth, they can compare you against hundreds of other people, and that's the unfortunate. Well, truth. I think though, what there are other things you can do as well. Like we all talk about, we've talked about the buyer, the buyer event and buyer events really important. And if you do buyer events, the only way you can create buyer events is if you've got a community of people to create them with. So if you have an email list or a Facebook group or a community somewhere that you've built up, when you create a buyer event into that community means that you can control it a lot more, even if you sell other people's products, because you can put a bundle together that makes sense to that community. Let's say you've got... I don't know. They say you're selling um, wool and knitting kits and things like that. And then you say to this community, go it this month, we are going to knit beanie hats and we're going to do them in the colors of uh, red, white, blue, because it's Queen's, Queen's birthday. You know, I've put a bundle together of all those uh, knitting yarns you're going to need and knitting needles and knitting patterns and everything. I don't know what you need for knitting, but everything's there. And I put it together in a bundle. And you can go buy these, these, this wool from other people because other people sell it if you want to. But then if you think about it, they can buy that bundle from you as a one-click purchase, or they can go and try and hunt down the exact wool mm. from the different stores and try and, oh, they've got that one and they've got this one, and or maybe they've got that, but they haven't got that. And it it by the fact that you've bundled it up for them and made it very easy and the commute there's a buying event that means that people are buying that thing at that time means that people are going to buy from you because they can't be bothered even if they're going to save maybe yeah. you know 20 percent they'll buy it from you because it yeah. just made it super super easy for them and they want to be so, told i think often they want to be led i mean i i was saying that i was chatting to a client who was selling wines and you know they've you know they're selling hundreds of hundreds of different types of wines and i, I would think they were saying well you know i think they you know they want to be told and i remember this with, with you know with other businesses around who were selling wines they just said you know they what people wanted to buy you know the six most popular red wines this month you know what give me yeah. you know give me a six what is the most right i want yeah i want all that i just want the most popular ones you know, and, and all the one, all the you know, all the Chilean Merlots. I want all the, the best Chilean Merlots you've got. I want to try. Yeah. And you, you put put it. You want people want to put it. To, you want, they want to be told to make they it want easier. It, they want to eat. They want to put it together. I mean, look at the popularity of these food boxes people are getting. You, you it's that it's a perfect example. They've created a buyer event. They've created ease ease of shopping. You could go and see. You know, you could go and get your neighbour to go and get the um 
the food box and see what it's got in they go well they, this that week they're having chicken and they're having this and they could probably make it yourself but you don't do it because you're part of a community you're part of uh, everybody's doing the same thing at the same time it's easy it, the ease has been done for you and so therefore it's just it's just what everybody's doing so therefore you just do it and it's kind of done so it's it's creating a community it's creating buyer events it's making sure that pricing is is in the ballpark if you're selling other people's products if it's your own products you've got architecture that makes your products look more desirable um you don't want to look like a discounter but it doesn't mean you can't yeah. do offers um and the offers could be i mean even even apple have a offer architecture that their apple's offer architecture is new products it's limited yeah. products, you know, like we're going to launch this product, but we're only going to have a thousand of them. So you're going to have to queue outside and therefore everybody wants one. And, and, and bring a but new they, one out every time. But if you took that away, yeah. what have they got? You know, Apple got nothing, would, would cease to exist within probably a year or two. That's ridiculous. Well, they wouldn't cease. But, it would just it would just they, be a much smaller they company. Would, they they, would they lose. are completely dependent yeah. on bringing out new products yeah, for, their for their major revenue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that falls updates. into the camp of having a product that's that almost solves a unique problem. I mean, you could argue that any Apple product doesn't actually solve anything unique anymore, but but they're still trading on that. You know, it's either yeah. you know it's either brand, it's either product solves a unique problem, or it's or it's pricing architecture promo, isn't it? They're the yeah. main three yeah. channels. Yeah, you, I mean, you, if you think about the, what's the reason to buy today of the Apple thing, there's a reason to buy today because um it's it's brand new and only people only few people have got them and therefore you want to be one of those few people and you want to show off your new phone and you know but if you actually sit down and think about it you look at your old apple phone you look at the new apple phone you're like well if i actually thought about that specific feature do i want it always disappointing to get a new iphone yeah but you you feel cool though that's what they've done well when you you feel only when you when you've just bought it and you're like excited it's coming you yeah, get it. And then you, you smash know. the screen two days later. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's anyway, 500 quid. We're not, we've <laughs> drifted off about pricing. Nothing oh, we about have, pricing. Yeah. No. Anything no. else about pricing? Well, I think that's that's the gist of it. I, I think that the, the most thing I wanted to get across is that is the fact that if you if you think you can get away with with charging a huge margin on products you've charged on the high street. You're just not gonna ha- you're just not gonna happen yeah. online. It's a lot more detailed. Uh, you can get away, you know. Like I have seen, you know, like the we talk about the lens store with contact lenses a lot of the time. If you come through Google Shopping, you get yeah. a cheaper price than the existing customers get if they come back yeah. to the store. They know that people are much more price sensitive when they're checking out for the first, the first time, time, and then it's yeah. ease well, of use. Of that. I mean, that's basically what you've got to do. You've got to if you're selling other people's products, you've got to be you've got to be price monitoring other people's. And you, you've got to consider being able to lower your prices in Google Shopping for the first purchase only, basically. Yeah. You, that's probably one of the main techniques, isn't it, that, we, that we're that we a big big fan of? Well, it's always like, I, I would say, it's always like people getting into your house. Your business is your house, and they've got to come through the front door in a certain way. You have to recruit them through the front door in a, in a certain way. You find the products you can recruit on. You find the offers that you can use to recruit. And then once you get them into the house, you can say, well, do you want a cup of tea? Do you want a, do you want some food? Do you want some, you know, you can upsell them all the stuff once they're into your ecosystem. But, you know, getting through the front door, you don't need to ha- get everybody through the front door with all the single products you sell. 
you have to just basically find those recruitment vehicles with the pricing mm. architecture that works. Yes, you don't you get have them to push in. everything, do you? You don't. No. You just push certain no. ones concerning that you were willing, yeah. you knew that they led to a, 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 you know, a loyal customer. Yeah. 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 Anyway. All right. Well, I think I think that's good, Ian. We'll leave it there. Um, thank you for speaking to me today. Uh, I'm sure you've got uh, things to get on with, and I will speak to everybody next week. Thanks, Mark. Cheerio. Cheers.